Hi, welcome to the Refuge House broadcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact the world for Christ. So here's what you need to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. Uh, we began to look at three grace privileges to accessing the abundance provision God has made available to all who are born again. The first one is to ask. The second one is to work. And the third one is to what? to give. Now, as I'm going to get into this subject, make sure you're writing, because I'm going to be sharing four principles, simple, straightforward principles that will help us appropriate our faith, uh, the God kind of faith that we have in the season of famine. We've said that famine was never part of God's original plan for man. When God made man in the beginning, the scripture says in Genesis 1:31, when God evaluated what he had done, the scripture said they were very good. Say amen. That there is nothing good about famine. Famine means shortage. It means scarcity. It means that there is a lack of availability and accessibility to resources. All right? And, and we said it only came into the earth after Adam transgressed or sinned against God. Certain consequences were created due to Adam's disobedience. And we praise God that we've been redeemed in Christ. But there are certain realities we need to deal with. Number one, this system of the world you and I are dealing with is a falling system. It's not going to get better for them. It's not going to get better. It's only going to get better for those who believe in Christ. Say amen. The Bible says, um, arise and shine for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Praise the name of the Lord. All right, so as believers... It's our season to shine because the light, which is Christ, has come. Praise the Lord. All right, so we said famine, there are two levels of famine. There is the physical famine where there's lack of availability and access to resources, needed resources. All right, and, and, and we said that explains why you see an uneven distribution of goods, services in the nations of the earth. That there was a curse that came upon human labor as a result of Adam's transgression. Human labor, it doesn't ma matter how dignified it is. If it's not backed by grace, it will drain you. It will make room for you to serve God. It will make room for your fellowship and your relationship with God. You'll be busy pursuing kind of things that has no eternal value. That's the result of the curse. Right? So we said also there is mental famine, and mental famine is simply a mindset of lack, inadequacy. We looked at certain statements that are credited to a mentality that is infested with famine. Oh, where we will get money to do this? How are we going to solve the problem? It cannot be done. It's very difficult. And we said that stinginess is one of the mentality that the enemy uses and uses famine to instill and promote during the times of lack. All right? Let me read a statement that we're going to look at the keys that we're going to be investigating. The goal of famine 
is to promote the mindset and operation of stinginess. When, when, when there is famine or there's shortage, the tendency for men to withhold more than is necessary due to the guise of preservation is, is there. And I've told you that generosity is not looking to what you earn. It's not looking to what you have. It's looking to the, the provision that we have in God. Say with me, say, Jesus is my source. You didn't, everybody didn't say that. Can you say that? You better get used to that. Your, your labor is not your source. Where you work is not your source. You've been making a very big mistake to think that what you have, where you work, what you earn, or your effort is your source. It's not your source. God did not give us the capacity to labor so that we can survive with it. No. God designed us to look to him as our source. David said, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from where comments what? My help. My help comes from who? From the Lord. And he says, vain is the help of man. Because in God's original design of schemes, it's for him to be our source, our supplier, and our sustainer. Say amen. I said, stinginess makes his victims see their labor, who they work for, the economy as your source. It's a terrible mindset because you're trained to think like that. So everybody's looking at the inflation ratio. Inflation is very high. So cost of things is high. And the thing about the mindset, you will always identify the effect and the presence of a mindset by the language, the way people speak. And, and when you speak inflation, when you speak lack, you don't talk God. You don't talk divine economy. You don't talk divine provision. You speak realities. You speak the situations and the condition around you. All right, so one of the things you are not going to be dealing with as long as we're here is seasons of famine. We'll be there. But God has assured us in his word that we can experience his provision even in the seasons of famine. Say amen. All right? So how do we handle famine? How do we handle famine? Let me lay this short foundation. Seasons of famine will always come and go. Will always come and go. It's a reality that is part of this fallen world system. Most of the famines are artificially created because corruption, which is one of the, um, the frailty of the human soul, is there. There's availability of resources. One person becomes very um, selfish, very self-centered, decides to use what should be for everybody for himself alone. That's how it starts. And when monies are not engaged as they should, it creates a crisis of famine. This shortage, you know, shortage of this, shortage. So you know when they say money is missing, actually money doesn't miss. I hope you know that. I hope, I hope you know that. It's not as if you can. How can how many billions just walk away? Carry, uh, uh, carry uh, Ghana must go back and walk away from the bank and nobody saw it go. It's not possible now. Money don't miss. It just moves from one hand to another hand. Unfortunately, why it creates scarcity is that Whoever takes the money doesn't invest the money legally in the system. And so there's a problem. Because money is, is currency. It's meant to be invested or engaged in the economy for there to be value. Nigeria is one of the most blessed countries in Africa. When you hear some of the money they steal sometimes, you wonder that uh, this country is still standing. God has really blessed this country. People steal. And you know, they, then they used to steal in thousands, 
million. Now they're stealing billions. You know what a billion is? They steal and they don't blink an eye. Most people who uphold, um, you know, public office, when they enter, by the time they leave, they are richer than the state. So it's all corruption, all right? So, but, but we are dealing with that. It's a system. But we operate a different system. Say amen. amen. However, our Heavenly Father has made provision in his word for his children to thrive or flourish in seasons of famine or scarcity. These provisions are principles and practices from the scripture that must be engaged in faith to thrive in famine. Everybody say engaged in faith. I hope you know that the victory that overcomes the world is faith. I hope you know that. For us, the victory is what? Is faith. Let's, let's read quickly 1 John 5, verse 4 and verse 5. The Bible says, Whatsoever is born of God. Are you born of God? Yes, you are. Whatsoever is born of God, it involves whosoever and anything that originates from God. That's why it says whatsoever. Some translation will use whosoever. I like the King James Version because it's also um, referring to those who are born again and anything that is originated by God. Whatsoever is born or originates or comes from God overcomes the world. The word refers to the system and its challenges. And it tells us how we do that. And this is the triumph or the victory that overcomes the world. What is it? Even our faith. So what is the victory that overcomes the world? N not your effort. Everybody say, not my effort. It doesn't matter how hard you work. <laughs> you cannot, there are some people that work ten times harder than you. It's not how hard you work. Hard work has a place. But, but in the scheme of God's design, faith trumps everything. If your faith is not in place, your hard work will be very frustrating. You'll be wondering, God, how come I'm working so hard, hard, hard? You'll be suffering from the syndrome of uh, uh, Ecclesiastes 10. He said, the labor of the foolish. Why foolish? Because it lacks wisdom. It's not by power. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7, he said, if the knife be blunt, you will exert much what? Much force. For wisdom is profitable to direct. What is wisdom? Wisdom simply means engaging principles of God's word in faith. That's wisdom. Because Jesus said, whosoever heareth my word and doeth him, I will liken him to what? A wise man. Alright? So, now it says in verse 5, who is he that overcomes the word? But he that what? Believes that Jesus is the son of God. Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Then you are an overcomer. Say amen. amen. Let, let me teach those of you that said amen. Some of you will not say amen. Okay. Let, let, me, let me make one clarification. It didn't say you are overcomer because of you. You are overcomer because you believe in Christ. Say amen. amen. Jesus overcame. And the moment you got born again, as he is, so are you. So you have inherited his nature You've, you've inherited his nature, you've become like him, and you've also inherited his faith. The Bible says in Galatians 2.20, it says, we've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless we live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in this world, I live by what? By the faith of the Son of God. So the faith that you and I possess 
is an overcoming faith. Say, I hear you. All right, let me say this. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world, its system, and challenges. Faith, what did we say faith is? Faith is that divine assurance or persuasion or conviction from the word that causes us to do what the word has instructed. Say amen. Or simply put, faith is acting on what we believe in the word. Say that with me. Say faith. It's acting or doing what we believe in the word. That's what it is. That's summary of Hebrew 11 verses 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is. So what is faith? Faith is acting upon what you believe. It's not enough to believe. You must do what you believe. Hallelujah. You must do or practice what you believe. So faith begins with your belief. What do you believe? And what you believe must be based on the revelation of Christ and what he has done for your life. Say amen. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. That word God there is translated in the Greek as Christ. All right. So faith is acting on what you believe. The word of God is responsible for what we believe. What we believe comes from the knowledge of the word. So I'm going to be sharing with you four belief system you must act upon in order to engage your faith in seasons of famine. Say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. Can you be generous with your amen? amen? Can you be generous with your amen? amen? All right. What is the first belief system that you must act upon? Remember, until you act on what you believe, it's not relevant. It's not beneficial. Fred Price gave a very powerful example. He said, um, as you know, you are in a party and, and someone just comes in, staggers, collapsed, and was about to die. And, and, and the doctor rushes down there, picks the guy up, examines the guy, and he says to the guy, hey, guy, this guy is dying of hunger. He has not eaten for a long time. So they bring this, you know, this cart full of food. And they ask the hungry man, do you believe if you eat this food, you will not die? What would be your answer? What would be your answer? Yes, what? Yes, I believe. So, uh, do it well. If the, do you believe if you eat this food, you will not die? What would the guy say? Yes, I be believe. If they keep asking him, but if he says, yes, I believe, and he doesn't act on what he believes by eating the food, will he not die? Will he not die? Uh -huh. In James chapter 2, the Bible says, you believe God. Okay, that's good. He said, devils also what? Believe in God. The difference between you and them is that they cannot act on the word because they are demons. Because the word will not respond to them. But you, the word can respond to you. It's not enough to say, I believe. What are you doing with what you believe? That's where faith comes from. Until you are acting on what you're believing, you're not in faith. You're just an admirer. You're just mentally assenting to the word and you're not doing what the word says. So first belief system, write this down. Number one, you must know and believe that famine does not change God's love for you. You must what? Know and what? Believe that famine, scarcity, shortage does not change God's love for you. You must know and believe that famine or shortage or scarcity does not change God's love for you. Now, listen to this. 
One of the satanic lies, everybody says satanic lies. Is okay, you are right, but she says satanic lies. Remember on Sunday we, we looked at how the devil fights. The devil fights by what? Deception. And deception is based on what? Lies. 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 I, I saw a message from Pastor Chris, uh, Akilam of Love Word. He said that God said he's the one ministers of the gospel that Satan is attacking their health with sickness, disease. And, and as he said that, he mentioned five things that they have to do in order not for them to be a victim. Then I began to meditate on something very important. When they say Satan is attacking, if you don't have understanding, you would think the devil just goes to the minister's life and kills him. No, it doesn't work like that. You know how the devil attacks you? He will plant a lie in that area where he wants you to have a crisis. For instance, in, if it's your health, he will plant a lie about not eating right, not exercising, not taking care of your body. Do I eat anyhow? Sleep anyhow? You will grow bomb bomb inside here. That's where I start. You don't care. You drink things and, and you are supposed to be a steward of your body. What you put in your body must be regulated with wisdom. So you have a lot of people for several years, they don't care what they eat, they don't care what they do, and, and the body, because when you are younger, the body is doing overdrive, managing and processing a lot of things with some religious belief that are inspired by satanic deception. You keep practicing lies over your health for a very long time. That's what kills people. Your body just collapses, you fainted and died, or it slumped. Usually, heart attack, cardiac arrest. Why? Because you're not, you're not managing your health. You don't exercise. You don't eat well. You don't eat healthy. You just do what you like. Satan convinces you you can do what you like and get away with it. Unfortunately, when the person has a crisis in his health, that crisis is a product of a deception he's been practicing for a very long time. That's how the devil attacks. The devil attacks by what? By deception. So when we say the devil attacks, it's not that you just come, die. No, it doesn't work like that. It will deceive you to kill yourself. Death and life is where? Answer me now, where? So if anybody's killing anybody, it's the person that's killing himself. And all it takes to kill yourself is to feed your power trigger, which is your mouth, with a lie. You believe a lie, you practice a lie. It's called unbelief. You don't believe the truth. And you keep doing what you want to do because you feel like doing it. You don't want to check. You don't want to educate yourself. You don't want to have knowledge, wisdom, direction in what you're doing. You don't think you can do what you like. So, one of the satanic lies we must all overcome in seasons of scarcity or famine is that God is judging and punishing us for our mistakes. You, you must overcome that lie. Once there's crisis, God is punishing us. No, God is not punishing you. Let me ask you a question. Is crisis a God-made thing or a man-made thing? Answer me now, come on. Is what? When you say man-made, what it simply means is that it is the consequence of the choices we have made. Let, let me give you an example. Um, maybe you, you got a business and you were making a lot of money 
you know, you had a breakthrough, you had a contract or something, and you had a lot of money. Money. A lot of money. And unfortunately, as you are making money, you don't have sense as to how to manage money. And if you don't have wisdom to manage money, how many of you know that that lack of wisdom can cost you that money? How many of you know that? You, you don't have any sense of savings. You don't sow. You don't manage the fund very well. The moment money enters your hand, they will know you have money. Party. You do party. You will buy things you don't need. You buy things you don't need. Squander the money. Then it's six. How many of you know that no matter how much you have, once you start spending it, it is going. You know that. And, and in less than one month, the millions you thought you had. You say, Pastor, they don't wish me. They don't wish me. All the money I had millions, did it just vanish? It not vanish. Now you spend that. Because you are no wise. You didn't manage yourself very well. If you're, if you're prudent in with the resources you have, there's something I wrote in my book on how to manage, manage finances on freedom, uh, financial liberty. If you don't manage the resource God gives to you with wisdom, your problem will not be lack of resources, it will be lack of management. To manage doesn't mean you're stingy. To manage simply means effective engagement and utilization of what? Resources. If you manage what you have very well, you'll be very comfortable. Property problems that want to live at levels that we have not grown into. Want to be like a big boy. Want to wear a shoe of 200,000. I went to one shop some years back and I saw one shoe that I liked. It's like the one I'm wearing. So I asked the guy, I said, how much? Is it 70,000? I said, excuse me. I just, I just walked away. So I said, no, don't worry. 70,000. So I will remove something. School fees is coming. I will carry 70,000 and buy and wear shoe on my leg. So I said, excuse me. <laughs> the man looked at me. I, I just walked away. There was a season there were things I couldn't afford. And I didn't miss it because it was not within the scope of affording. As I grew, there are things I could afford now that I couldn't afford before. It would be foolishness for me to use resources God has put in my life on things that my faith has not been built for and I cannot afford. It would be foolishness. Just pay you your most more money. Say, go and get DSTV Premium. Ooh. No problem. After like six months, the money will vanish. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but, so when, when famine is happening, the, the mistake man does is to think that God is punishing him for what is happening. No, nah. God is not like that. Some people look at what's going on in the world and say, God is angry with us. God is very angry. What is going on in the world today is a result of choices that man is making. God has given us the ultimate solution in Christ, but not everybody is choosing Christ. God will tell you what to do, like there are some of us, there are some things we go through in life. Maybe relationship. Instead of doing relationship, the scripture, you will do it your personal and your private way. When it crashes, you'll not be acting as if God did something bad for you. God, why did you leave me? God will say, I didn't leave you. It was you who left me. When I was giving you wisdom by my spirit, that this guy is a devil, you didn't listen to me. Now he has shown you who he is, now you are blaming me. That's what happens. So when we go through seasons of uh, uh, famine, we must first of all know God is not judging and punishing us for our mistakes. No. You may have made mistakes. We all make mistakes. We're not flawless. Is there anybody here that doesn't make mistakes? Please, I'd like to know the wisdom you have. Is there anybody here that doesn't make mistakes? Let me... 
Let us know that there are some, you know, some levels here. All right? We'll make mistakes. God is aware that we'll make mistakes. But you must know and believe that God does not reveal his love for you because of your mistakes. He doesn't do that. God is not like you. God will not stop loving you in seasons of famine. He will not. His commitment to you will not reduce because there's crisis or there's hardship. No. Look at God's assurance to us when we are tempted to doubt his love for us. 1 John 3 verse 20, quickly. The Bible says, if our heart condemns us, our own heart, not another person's heart. Too. That word heart there has two applications. On one level you can apply the mind, all right, or the conscience. So if our mind, maybe because of the, what, the lie we have believed, our mind begins to condemn us. God says, hey guys, listen. If your heart condemns you, what did he say? God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. So even when you doubt yourself, God is greater than your self-doubt. Say amen. Come on, say amen. amen. Say a good amen there. Amen. Even when you doubt yourself, God says, I am greater than your self-doubt. If your heart condemns you, I am greater than what? Than your heart. Say amen. Now hear this. Once we believe God no longer loves us when we go through tough times because of famine, we open the door for fear. We open the door for what? For fear. Fear. Once fear comes in, faith, which is the victory that overcomes the world, goes silent. I'm going to repeat that. I hope you are writing this down. Once we believe God no longer loves us when we go through tough times because of famine, we open the door for fear. You become afraid. Because once you think God is punishing you, that fear will not begin, you make, will make you panic, you become scared. And once we allow fear to come in, Faith, which is the victory that overcomes the world, goes silent. Faith stops working. And once faith stops working, it means the victory stops working. Why? Because faith only works by love. Say a good amen. Go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Then after that, we'll read Romans 8, verse 35 and 37. We'll read quickly. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Do not let fear come in because once you stop, once you have any cause to doubt God's love for you, you will fear. Fear will come into your heart. You will panic. You will fear that God has abandoned you. God no longer loves you. God is punishing you for your mistakes. God doesn't care about you anymore. You deserve what, you see, one of the ways Satan accuses us is to say you deserve what you are going through. After all, you misbehaved. After all, you made a mistake. Then I ask the question, why, why the blood? Everybody say, why the blood? The blood gives us what we didn't deserve. And that's God's love and mercy. So even when I make mistakes, I can go to say, Lord, this is what your word says. I'm sorry. And he loves you anyway. God gave us, Jesus gave us the story of the prodigal son to let us know that even when we become like a prodigal son, he's still waiting for us. Do you understand what I mean by that? He's still waiting for us. Man will never give you another chance. I don't want to use the word second chance. If it's second chance, some of us will not have any chance at all. Uh, 
<laughs> I prefer to call it another chance. Man will never give you a chance. The way they will talk about their disappointment, in the eyes of men, you should never make mistake. Once you make mistake, they tie you inside belly. You, you forget what you do in 1944, 1982, When you do this, you do that. That's man. God doesn't behave like that. He said, as the east is far from the west, so have I what? Have I, have I separated your, myself from your iniquities? I don't remember it. I take it away. If there's anybody that is kind in the memory of his past mistake, it's we, not him. His love is too big to remember our mistakes. Once you acknowledge it, accept his love, move beyond it. Say amen. What is punishing you is not him. What is punishing you, it's your lack of believing in his love and doing what his word says. That's what's punishing you. Not, this, not, not, not him. Are you hearing me? So you must get the love foundation right. First John 4, 18 and 19. There is no fear in love. When you love someone, you are not afraid of the person. That's the truth. If you are afraid of anybody, that means there's a question, there's a doubt about the love in question. There is no fear in love. Why? Because perfect love. And God is only the one who can love us perfectly. Perfect love casted outward fear. Now, now watch this. Because fear has torment. When you think anything can alter God's love for you, you will be tormented. When you believe the devil or your mistakes or something can in a second, I deserve what I'm getting. Once the devil succeeds in getting you to accept that lie, fear comes in. And once fear comes, it paralyzes your faith. You can't believe God to come out of it anymore. No matter what. And there's nothing that, like living a fear-based life. A fear-based life is a silent faith life. If that fear is not made perfect in love, then he defines what he means by that. Verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. So it's not how much my love for God, how strong my love for God is, is based on how much I believe that he loves me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When I say I love him, I'm simply realizing how much he loves me. Do you understand that? When we say, Lord, I love you, what you mean is that I realize how much he loved me. Because I can't love you if you didn't love me. So he says, perfect love. God says, I have loved you perfectly. And nothing should cast an aspersion or doubt concerning my love for you. I will always be there for you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Some of us, our religion has been part of what is tormenting us. I, so you say, I, I know why I'm doing that. I know God is punishing me. If you say, I didn't do what God says, that's even fair. But to say, you're not doing what God says, is the punishment. You are accusing God wrongly. Romans 8, verse 35 and 37. Romans 8, then we'll go to the next key. Romans 8, verse 35. Are you, are you learning something so far? Are you learning something so far? All right. Romans 8, verse 35 and 37. Are you there? What does this say? Who shall separate us from what? From the love of Christ. Who? Probably say who, 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 who. What does it mean to separate? That word separate in the Greek means to put asunder. Remember what God has joined together. Let no man put 
asunder. The day you got born again, you became united with him. And God is saying, my love for you is so strong that what can separate you from my love? What can? What can? What can? And he begins to list all the possible things. And one of them is what? Famine. What can separate you or who can separate you, separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, what is tribulation? Troubles, trials, pressures, or distress, discouragement. We all go through discouragement. God says, it doesn't matter the discouragement you go through. It can't separate you from my love for you. Or persecution when you're mistreated. Or famine. Famine is scarcity. Did you see that there? So, you know, famine cannot separate you from the love of God. Say amen. Or even nakedness. If any situation brings you to a point, it looks as if you are naked. Physically naked. Financially naked. Mentally naked. God says, it won't stop me from loving you. Hallelujah. Or peril, dangerous time of tough time. Of the sword. Go to verse 7. 37. He says, no. You know, nay is an old King James word for no. He answers the question. No. In all. What is all? Everything. In all or every, in all these things, we are what? We are more. Whoa. <laughs> Somebody say more than conquerors. Before you browse through that, you know what it means to be more than conqueror? More than conqueror simply means you are operating on the credit of Christ's victory. More than conqueror means you didn't fight the fight. He fought it and credited the enjoyment of the fight to you. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. Because, you see, you are more than conqueror, not through your effort, but through him that loved us. Why am I more than a conqueror? Somebody say, because he loved me. Notice the expression, the love of Christ. Please understand this. What is the difference between the love of Christ and the love of God? It's, it's very simple. The love of God was God's love eternal plan for you and I before you and I were born. Are you hearing me? Ephesians 1 verse 4 and 5 says, He destined and loved us before the foundation of the world. Is that not true? Then the love of Christ is the proof in time that God's eternal love for us is still in check. Do you understand that? Because the love of Christ was God stepping from eternity to make his eternal plan of loving you forever real by sending Jesus to die on the cross as proof that God's love for you is eternal. So when he says, what can separate us from the love of Christ? God is saying, what can separate you from proof that I've given to you in my son that I love you? What? Tell me what. Who can judge you? Who can accuse you? If I did not withhold my son... How will I not with him give you all things freely to enjoy? So if you get the love foundation wrong, every other thing will be wrong. Because if you don't believe God loves you, it doesn't matter the principle you have. It will work because faith without love cannot work. The foundational problem with many believers today is that when it comes to God's love for them, they are faulty in their mentality about God's love for them. They believe that they are inadequacy or their weakness is negotiating. So maybe God said, I love you 37% yesterday. You see, you not behave well today. So today, 15%. Then, then maybe, the then you know you messed up big time. Ah, maybe you didn't read your Bible, you didn't pray. Today, I love you 5%. Disappoint me. Nonsense. That's how you, in your head, you are measuring God's love 
based on your performance. That's wrong. God's love is not based on your performance. That's why it's called unconditional love. Do you understand that? He doesn't love you based on condition. The reason, look, I, I love this something about God's love. The, the Bible says the goodness of God produces repentance. Is that not true? Why does it produce? Because the love of God is God's goodness to you. You don't deserve it. It's called mercy. Mercy is God's love given to man. Because what we deserve was judgment, but in the place of judgment, he took our place. Why did he take your place? Because he loves you. What is man that you are mindful of him? The answer is simple, because he loves man. Somebody say, God loves me. All right, let me conclude with this. We'll go to the next one. Famine cannot... I say, can not separate us from the love of Christ. The love of Christ is proof in time of God's eternal love for us. And it doesn't stop operating even in the seasons of famine. God in his love has made provisions for us in Christ to overcome every threat to our union with him. That's why the best thing that can happen to a believer is to grow in the knowledge of Christ. The growing the knowledge of the word and application of the word. Say amen. All right, let's read this scripture and we're going to make these confessions. First John 4, 16 to verse 19. It says, and we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Verse 17. Hearing of this is how our love is made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we. Where? In this world. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. All right, make these confessions with me. I'm going to point to number. Say with me, say in Jesus' name. Everybody be generous with that. Say, in Jesus' name, I believe in my heart and declare with my mouth that I know and believe the love that God has for me. God is love. I dwell in God because I possess the same love nature. Since God has loved me perfectly in Christ, I will have boldness in the day of judgment because as Christ is, so am I in this world. I refuse to be tormented by the fear of famine because Christ has loved me perfectly in spite of it. I love God because he first loved me in Christ. Glory be to God. You know the fear of family things that because things will be hard, you, they will throw you out of your house. That's how the devil starts filling you with all kinds of nonsense. Nothing will work. They will sack you. Everything will collapse. That's fear of family. You are delivered from it in Jesus' name. All right, key number two, write this down. The second principle belief system we must have in seasons of famine is stay faithful to doing the word. Say that with me. Say stay faithful. To do in the word. I didn't hear everybody. Come on, say that. One more time. Stay faithful to what? 
So doing the, how many of you know that God has no respect of persons? Yeah, he does, God doesn't have any favorites. Mm -mm. He doesn't love me more than he loves you. He loves us just as he loves Christ. Amen. God loves us just as he loves Christ. So we say God loves us equally. Yeah, God loves us equally. But, but you need to understand this, that th that understanding means God has given to every one of us equal access to his abundance. Equal access to his provision. God is no respecter of any person. But in every nation, he that feareth God and works righteousness is what? Accepted by him. So you're not failing because God doesn't love you. You're failing because you don't believe he loves you and he has given you equal access. Because there are some of you, you believe that there are some people that are very special. They are special because of where they are born. Special because of who they know, who their parents is, where they walk. There are some of you, you just look at yourself. I, I wish I am working in an oil company. Now, nah, this family will not bother me. Those, those, those kind of thinking is satanic. What did I say? Yeah, that, because you're judging God's love for you based on such evaluation. And, and that's a lot. You're slapping his faithfulness. All right, so say with me, say, stay faithful to doing the word. God's words never fail. You believe that? Never fails. The word of God never fails. Everything else will fail. But his word is failure proof. So if you want what you do to be failure proof, in spite of all the failures in the world, then base your action on doing the word. Did you hear what I said? Isaiah 34, verse 16. Go there. Isaiah chapter 34 and verse 16. Isaiah 34. If all you do is man's word, if all you do is your word, then there is no guarantee for you. Because anything outside God's word has no guarantee. The only guarantee is God's word. Psalm, I mean, Isaiah 34, verse 16. What does it say? Seek ye out of the book of the law. What is the book of the law? The Bible. Seek ye or find. If you are not a seeker of the world, then brothers and sisters, there is no way you can avoid failure. It doesn't matter how smart your plan is. Did you hear what I said? It doesn't matter how smart. If you think you are very smart, <laughs> be very careful. Proverbs 35 says, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. And lean not unto what? Your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall do what? He shall direct your path. How do you acknowledge God in all your ways? By doing his word. Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. Read. So you know what God wants you to believe. Once you know what God wants you to believe, then do it. Believe not one of these shall what? Shall fail, nor shall want a mate. For my mouth it had what? Commanded, and his spirit it had gathered. Any believer that has no value for the word of God cannot avoid frustration. There is no way around it. If your value for God's word is very poor, value from the way you read it, the way you listen to it, your attitude to it, if it's poor, then you cannot avoid frustration. It's not possible. Because your insurance against frustration is the word. God's word is failure proof. 
Now, write this down. God is always committed to the fulfillment or performance of his word. God is always committed to the fulfillment or performance of his word. He is. Quickly turn your Bible to two scriptures. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 11 and verse 12. Then Isaiah 55 and verse 11. God is always committed to the fulfillment or performance of his word. God is always committed to the fulfillment or performance of his word. Jeremiah 1 verse 11 and verse 12. The Bible declares, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, and I hope you know that the word of God is God himself. How many of you know that? So you're not just reading letters, you are reading him. Hallelujah. Because the scripture is life. Jesus says, I, I am the word. Search me. In them you will find life. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. That word was speaking for generation until God decided that the word be documented in written form. So the word is God himself. So he says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? What do you see? The word will not only illuminate your understanding, the word will always seek to change the pictures in your mind. Did you hear what I said? The hearing of the word will renew your mind. And one of the ways it renews your mind is to renew the pictures in your mind. Because what you know will always produce pictures in your mind. It is that pictures that influences what you believe. It's called mental pictures. Some of us, we have pictures of desperation, discouragement, fear. Because what we're hearing is not based on the word. So we have the wrong pictures. So God said to Jeremiah, what do you see? What did he say? He said, I see a rod of an almond tree. God wants to transmit pictures of victories to you and I. Then God said to him, you have seen well. If in famine, you only see scarcity, you're not seeing the word. Did you hear what I said? If in famine you complain, it shows that God's word is not the picture in your mind. What you're seeing is famine. And once you see famine, you complain. When you see famine, you cry. When you see famine, you, you talk about what's happening on the news a lot, more than what God's word says, because that's what you see. And what you see comes from what you hear. I hope you understand what I mean by that. When I use the word see, I'm not talking about seeing with just your physical eyes. I'm talking about the pictures in your mind. The pictures in your mind come from what you hear, what you expose yourself to. If you're not exposed to God's word, the pictures you're going to have are pictures of fear, pictures of hopelessness, discouragement. How am I going to get out of this? Every time you think about paying bills, you're frustrated. Why? Because you're not seeing the picture of the word. So in this case, God had been saying some things to Jeremiah. And those things God was saying is painting the pictures of God's expectation in the mind of Jeremiah. So God said, well, what do you say? He said, this is what I say. God said, you are seeing well. When you see victory, you are seeing well. But when you see poverty, scarcity, you are not seeing well. Ask your neighbor, are you seeing well? When you complain, you are not seeing well. Did you hear what I said? When you complain, you are not what? So next time somebody is complaining, you say, you are not seeing well, honey. Go and, go and see well. Go back to the word. Until you see well. Stay with the word until you see well. When you see well, you will see victory. Because whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. If you don't see that, you are not seeing well. On 
until you see well, God is not committed to performing that word in your life. So he said to Jeremiah, you have seen well, I will hasten my word to perform it. Sometimes the delays we have is because we're not seeing what the word is showing us. Part of what helps you to see what the word is saying is meditation. The book of the Lord shall not depart out of what? Your mouth. But you shall do what? Meditate on it day and night so that, they, that, so that you may observe to do all that is written in there. So then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. If you are the microwave type with scriptures, you won't see the word. Though. You come to church, after first service you have gone and you don't even have word notes. You don't, you don't go back, you don't meditate the word. You forget that there are problems you are facing every day that are seeking to crowd your soul. Pressure from office and business, bombarding you every day, making sure you don't have time for the word. And, and if all you do is managing the, the sea of life's uh, issues, all you are going to see is frustration. You'll be so angry, causing politicians, no go better for them. They will spoil our life for us. Nonsense. Thief our money. <laughs> your money. <laughs> it's our money. Did they write your name inside? If it's your money, why did you have it? <laughs> it's the one you see that is your own. What did I say? Anything you see, nobody can steal it from you. Because you don't mind it. Wicked. See, 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 see. Wicked. You know, go better for a generation. You know why you're talking like that? Because you don't see the world. When you see the world, you don't talk like that. Those who see the world, they're always rejoicing. Because what they see is victory. Come on, say amen. What they see is what? Victory. They talk victory. They see victory. They operate in victory. When, when you don't see that, then that means the word of God is not in place. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see this. God says, you see well. The Bible says, whatsoever is born of God, overcome. If anything you see about any area of your life, it's not an overcoming vision. You are not seeing well. You are seeing wrongly. You are seeing rubbish. Everybody say rubbish. Say rubbish. See well. Somebody say see well. Say see well. Isaiah 55 verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth it shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the things whereto I said. You know why God gave us, God is assuring us that his word delivers. So we may say God's word delivers. God is telling us here, my word is faithful, my word never fails, my word delivers. But for it to deliver in your life, you have to see it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You have to what? You have to see it. Your mind picture must change from that situation to what the word says. Otherwise, you will not believe. That's why when you were talking about what the word of God is, I know now, but, but I know, but see now, see, see. Because that's what you are saying. Say, but you know you were talking about news yesterday. First now, hundred and something like that. Eh? Everything's just upside down. Because that's what you are saying. That's, it's what you are saying that you are saying. It is what you are saying that you are saying. If what you pay attention to is what is going on and what men are saying, that's what you will see. And once you see it, you will say it. And once you say it, you will face it. The best word to hear is God's word. 
Because God is coming. Now, let me say this. We must stay faithful in always doing the word. Hallelujah. Write this down. Our obedience to the instruction of the written word, our obedience to the instruction of the written word should not be regulated by famine or any circumstances. What the devil tries to do when there is season of scarcity is to get you to stop spending time reading, hearing the word, and try to fix the problem in your life. That's what he tries to get you to do. Why do you think Jesus gave us this illustration? I will liken a man who builds his house on the rock as this. When the wind came, is that not so? The rain came and the storm came and it beat on the house. Why was the storm beating on the house? So that the builder will not focus on God's word. And, and once you focus on what's going on, you're not building on God. You're building on your strength. And the Bible says such house will collapse. That's what the devil does. But what we need to understand, this wisdom, everybody say wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. We must learn to apply God's wisdom that our obedience to scripture is not regulated by famine or any circumstances. If God said it, I'll do it. Amen. Do you understand what I mean? If God said it, I'll do it. If he says in all things, give thanks, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Did he say some things complain? Eh? What did he say? In all things, what do you do? If he says be worried for nothing, what do you do? When the temptation to worry comes, what do you say? I refuse to worry. I refuse to worry. When you do that, you're taking sides with God. Write this down. Anytime you do his word, you are taking sides with God. Or you are agreeing with God. Amos 3, 3 says, can two work together except they agree. Every time you do God's word, you are taking side with the word. That's why if you don't have time for the word, you don't have time for the word. You don't have time for God. I hope you know that. Did you hear what I said? Anytime you don't have time for the word, you believe, you know when they're discussing, once they just bring scripture, you say, okay, leave Bible first. You are, you are, a, you are somebody that is valid for the word. It's very, it's very low. Because when they mention Bible, you're ashamed. What do you want to talk about? Gossip. What's trending in uh, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Gossip that doesn't put anything inside your stomach. Gossip that doesn't add any value to your destiny and your life. Those are the things your mind is preoccupied. You are gisting on other people's stories. Some of you, you go to internet, what did they share? What did they go on? Uh, you don't hear, we can tell you, you are now a private broadcasting station. You never hear, they say this person, marriage don't pack up. Yes, well done, do. That's your problem. That somebody's marriage has packed up. Uh, you know, yeah, somebody says, you go, US, so, <laughs> when you call, you say, they call arrest them, What's your problem? That's all you talk about. And it just shows that that's what you expect. When you do God's word, you take sides with God. You get in agreement with him. And doing God's word is taking side with his power. Write that down. Doing God's word is what? Taking side with his power. Those who do God's words take side with God's power. Doing God's word is taking side with what? His power. Hear this. God's word is his all-time wisdom. God's word is what? His all-time. Every scripture is inspired by God 
and it's a revelation of his wisdom. And God's wisdom is timeless. It applies in all generations. God's word is his all-time wisdom. Also, write this down. The goal of God's word is to produce his peace in our life. Mm. This one blessed me. The goal, write this down. The goal of the word is to do what? To produce his peace in our life. The goal, say that with me, say the goal of God's word is to produce his peace in our life. Do you, do you know that when God created everything in the beginning, one, one thing, word you can use to describe the spiritual and physical climate in the life of man and his environment is peace. Is that not so? What is peace? Harmony. The elements were in agreement with God and with man because man was in the will of God, obeying the word of God, doing what God says. So peace took over his environment. Peace, first of all, peace took over his internal environment, his mind was at rest, calm, peace. Because when you do God's word, his peace rules your life. You were designed to be ruled by his peace. And the way God does that is through your doing the word. So when you stop doing God's word, you stop coming under the dominion, supervision, and administration of the peace of God. And can I tell you something? Outside God's word, ah, the word is full of agitation. No? Everybody say agitation. Can, can I tell you? know what agitation is? Disturbance. All those anger, verse. It's not really the person that did it to you. It is your reaction to what the person did. And because it lack understanding, you are angry and you are agitated. That's why you sit down, you will listen to news and you will look at a man that doesn't even know you. See, now because of this offer, Naimo, bad government, bad governor, bad president, bad everything, make president suffer. That's a man that peace is not in charge of his life. Agitated, blaming everybody. Don't mind now. Then the court commercial will be better for them. They are picking go sick. <laughs> you become like a witch, <laughs> cursing everybody. You are a bitter version of yourself, blaming everybody for your problem. See them, all these people them, because of what's going on. Want to spoil Nigeria for us? They don't even spoil everything. Self. Don't spoil everything. Go market and everything they have. Eh? Tomatoes now nah, don't have. What is all this wala? Which kind of wala? They, <laughs> they will not come home, transfer the anger on their children, transfer it on their husband, transfer it on their wife. Only how are you? How was today? Why did you ask me about today? Why did you ask me about today? I mean, leave me, bo. Which, which today? Do I look like somebody that is happy? What did she do? You're angry. You know your problem? Peace is not in charge of your life. And the reason why peace is not in charge because you're not doing the work. Go to um, Psalm 119, verse 65. Psalm 119. Are you learning something? Are you learning something? Psalm 165. 119, verse 165. Please make sure you go and listen to the message today. You're going to learn a lot of things. I don't want to rush them. I'll, I'll probably stop with two keys today. The next Wednesday, we'll take the other two keys. Is that okay? Yeah, so that we can close within our time. All right, Psalm 119, verse 165. If you are there, say amen. I want us to read it together. Are you ready? Psalm 119, verse 1. What do you say? Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them, including politicians. <laughs> Hello? Including what? Bad 
religious. You, you need to see the way some people are stressing their life over candidates. I mean stressing. Everybody says stressing. I saw in the paper. A girl broke up with her boyfriend because she did not, the boyfriend did not support a candidate. I don't want to mention the candidate so that I don't get political on that. She broke up. And a newspaper carried it on front page. There's trouble. Though. There's what? There's big trouble. When I read it, first of all, I laughed. Then I said, if this guy is born again, if you go to church and thank God, that God has delivered him from this kind of person, you will break up with me because I not support your candidate. <laughs> Nothing shall offend them. Great peace. Ask your neighbor, do you have great peace? See, Jesus is peace, the prince of peace. But, but to, be, to be ruled by peace or to have great peace is a different thing. It, it's only evident in your life if you are faithful in doing the work. If you are not faithful in doing the work, situations will agitate you. Circumstances will agitate you. All of a sudden, you get a verse. So then you come to me, you get a verse for me. Me, I don't know you. I don't know what I do. You go verse. Maybe you pass me on the road and you wave. And you know my glass is tinted. And I didn't see your face. All right? And I just go, you're a cousin. That's what they, when they drive big motor, then they see small people like us. Who said you are small? Who told you you are small? When you are always offensive, it's because you're not doing the word. Nobody is in charge of your peace except you. It's there. Look, write this down. The word is not perfect. Revelation. Is that not true? Is the word perfect? Including you. So we're going to make mistakes. That's why God says love one another. What does it mean love? It means accommodate each other's mistakes. Otherwise, you will be, you, trust me, you go vest tire. Have you tried uh, uh, Nigeria traffic on the road, those of you that drive? Have you seen some mad people on the street? What did they worry you? What did they drive? I was, when I was riding my 190, I was coming to artillery. It was my turn to negotiate. And it was a guy, slightly elderly guy. He just maneuvered. So, ah. Uh, he was boom, 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 boom. Then I wanted to, next thing, down on me. Plah! Spat on me like that. I looked at the guy. I was like, I wanted to talk, but I said, there's no need to talk. He's an older guy, so let me quiet. Then somebody from, I didn't know one guy was watching. He said, oh, guy, what you did to this man is very wrong. Why will you spit on me when you are in the wrong? Oh, I said, okay, somebody did, somebody saw it. But if it's for you, that spit alone, your life has finished. You will come down. The game will happen today. Man, you spit for me. Ha! Who you think say you be? I will, I've been a fool, eh? I've been like, your BP will go up. <laughs> Look in head. You don't know me, hey! What's your problem? <laughs> the problem is not the sweet. So did they worry you before the sweet? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Maybe you are owing somebody and the person has given you two days. <laughs> so I am thinking like you are going to solve the problem. There's somebody come back on your face. Great peace of they who love thy word. And nothing. 
Let me tell you this. Peace means faith is in charge. Write it down. Peace means what? Faith is in charge. If you're worried, your faith is not in charge. If you're bothered, your faith is not in charge. When you complain, your faith is not in charge. That's where you're offended. That's where you hear bad news, it troubles you. When <coughs> Let me put one. <laughs> I think many of you, you can relate to this. If, if the money in your account offends you, <laughs> faith is not in charge. Hello? I went to ATM one day. So yeah. We were queuing off. Everybody stayed a long time. Press, press, press there. At the point, I thought the person didn't know where it was going. When they opened, it's 500 naira. Then he collected. I said, ah. I am sure, maybe as he looked at the account, all kinds of thoughts were running through his mind. Then maybe for a moment, he forgot that people were queuing beside him. When he saw what is in the account, 1,000 naira. So I cannot finish the account. Let me collect 500 naira. He said that 500, they will even charge me 15 naira. So what I go get now, 450 naira. Then when he thinks about the base on his head, 200,000, ha, ah, headache. Hey, what I go do? How will I solve this? They now turn and see us standing. Who be all these people are in my back? My friend, pick your body and go away. <laughs> The many of us are offended because peace is not there. And can I tell you something? When, when, when peace is not there, faith is not in charge. When circumstance is in charge, there will be fear. Write that down. When circumstance is in charge, there will be what? There will be, be panic. That's when you don't believe God loves you. When circumstance is in charge, there will be panic. All right? Let me begin to run this. Hallelujah. I said Hallelujah. It's a great peace up there which love that. What does it mean to love God's word? What does it mean to love God's word? It simply means to do what the word says. Hallelujah. What does it mean to love the word? Watch it. Great peace is only in response to those who love thy law. And what does it mean to love the law? It doesn't say, Lord, I love your word. Mm -mm, not be so. John 14, 23, Jesus tells us what it means to love the law or to love the word. John 14, 23. Can you quickly read that? John 14, 23. Quickly. John 14, 23. This is what it means to love the word or to love the law. Jesus answered and said to him, If a man love me, the word lo Jesus is the word. If a man love me, he will do what? He will keep my word. So what does it mean to love Jesus? To keep means to stay faithful doing the word. All right? My father, and what did he say will happen? He said, my father will love him and we will come unto him and we will make our abode or our dwelling or manifestation with him. Let me say this. The peace from the word is more powerful than the situation before you. What did I say? The peace that comes as a result of doing the word is more powerful than the situation before you. Why? Because peace is the first manifestation of the change that you desire. Did you hear what I said? The change in that circumstance that is a product of your doing what God's word says, it will first manifest in your heart. Once you do the word, boom, peace will manifest in your heart. Great peace. 
And when great peace, peace comes to take over the situation in your life. It comes to take over the event. Peace comes to take over the climate, over your spiritual climate, physical climate, both internal and external climate, all the forces that are right. Whatever hostile forces are operating, once you do God's word, you release peace into them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Did you hear what I said? Once you do the word, you release the peace of God into the situation. And hear this. This is very powerful. This peace will manifest as an internal assurance in the heart from the word. That heaven is in favorable alignment with you. Why? Because your provision is guaranteed. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? The peace of God will manifest as what? An internal assurance. Remember what I said. Peace simply means faith is in charge. Is that not so? Peace is proof that faith, which is the victory, is what? In charge. And faith collects those things which be not as though they were. And when peace rules, you, 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 you take charge from within first. Inside you, physically speaking, nothing may seem to have changed. But once peace is in your heart, trust me, everything has changed. What did I say? When peace is in your heart, what is it? Everything has changed. And peace is a byproduct of doing what God's word says. If you are not peaceful, if you are troubled in a situation, you've not done the word. If you've done the word, peace will be ministered to your heart. And once peace takes over, peace becomes the commander-in-chief over the affairs of your life in that area. Say, I hear you. The manifestation of peace in the heart is proof that you are in favorable alignment with heaven because your provision is guaranteed. All right. Uh, my time is up. Let me, I will define peace next Wednesday. Let's rise up and pray. Time is fast spent. Glory be to God. Have you learned something tonight? Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this.